most people, uh, whether it's the story teachers or the people trying to be better at storytelling, think that, that all you need to do is get good at storytelling. Just be a good storyteller, use best practices, use the proven formulas, and then and then everything just works fine. You know, you get more more views, more likes, more followers, more sales. Here's the thing. They are wrong. There are two sets of stories that you need to focus on. Not all stories are created the same. You have your overall brand narrative, we'll call it, mission, company, brand narrative. And then you have all the little stories that you tell daily, hourly, weekly, whatever, that are pieces of that overall narrative, right? That fit in that overarching brand, mission, company narrative. There's a professor of religion and, and Islamic studies not far from me in Coastal Carolina um, University, Jeffrey Halverson, and he described it as this. He said, uh, a, system, a, a system of stories, a narrative is a system of stories. Let me see if I can pull that up. A narrative is a system of stories that taken all together paint a larger narrative with a beginning and middle but not an end. It is an ongoing thing that you stand for, right? This is going to be very important for us to understand when we move forward with that. We're going to talk about both today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, storytellers? Welcome back to the Storytelling Lab. This is episode 145. My goodness, we're getting old. This is the premiere of season 11. We are back. I always take a little break twice a year from the show just to give myself a little reset, uh, usually in January and June or July. So we go about six months, take one month off, catch our breath, build up on some bookings and go forward with the next season of the year. So we just got done with that. We are coming back with an amazing list of guests, but I'm doing something. It's not new because I've done this before. So I'm bringing it back. Uh, by popular demand. I'm going to be doing in between guest episodes, which will be longer, usually 45 to 60 minutes. I'm going to be doing solo episodes like the one you're going to listen to today. So it's going to be back and forth. These will generally be a little bit shorter, 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, this is the first one. Surprise, next guest. Stay tuned for the guest for next week. I will let you know very soon. Um, 
Another big announcement, Six Second Stories, the audiobook just got released a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago. And let me tell you, it's much more enjoyable because you get to listen to my voice as the narrator uh, with a few side anecdotes and humor and just my beautiful voice, my radio voice. So uh, check that out on Audible. If you haven't uh, read the book, this is a really good experience. There are a few, a small percentage of editions just uh, exclusively for the audiobook, which I think makes it more enjoyable. We can't change the book that much, but just brief little asides and tangents to illustrate the point that I might be making. And there's a new book in the works that I can't really tell you about yet, uh, but I think everybody that is listening to this show is going to benefit from it. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now, here's your host, award-winning filmmaker and writer, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Tuesday morning, I send out a quick storytelling tip to my newsletter subscribers. I show you techniques I've learned along my journey and used in my own stories, as well as those of my clients. But most importantly, I leave you with tangible takeaways that you can apply to your brand storytelling immediately. Oh, well, actually, more importantly than that, it's free. If this would help you, sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Let's get into today's show. Um, we're going to talk about those two versions of the stories, as I mentioned. We're going to do it through the lens of a very specific story, one of my favorite stories, and this is the story of the Wright Brothers, the first flight. Some of you all, most of you all, I think would be familiar with that to some degree. I hope that you are at least. And if you are, you're probably familiar with the iconic photo that was taken. That is basically our first flight photo that represents the story of our first flight, right? One photo that you see everywhere. It's become one of the most famous uh, and popular photos in human history, to be fair. Um, here's the thing that's so exciting to me about it. It was taken by a man named John T. Daniels, who had not only never used a camera before, he had never even seen a camera before that day. Now, this is what is exciting to me about that man and that photo that he took. So Orville and Wilbur Wright were if you don't know, brief history, they were bicycle shop owners from Ohio. They found the perfect place in the Outer Banks of North Carolina to practice their glider and hopefully launch their first uh, powered, manned, heavier-than-air aircraft, which is an airplane. Um, there, We have these great dunes in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, these great winds, and so when they were practicing before they put the motor on, just trying to figure out the wings and the glider, um, they would go off of what was called killed. Kill Devil Hill. Now it's known as Kill Devil Hills. It's near Kitty Hawk. It's not exactly Kitty Hawk. That's okay. Kitty Hawk gets the credit. Um, so what people don't understand is during that time, there were barely anybody, <laughs> there was barely anybody living 
in the Outer Banks. Very, very desolate lands. It was not an easy life. It was separated from the mainland. And so you had uh, the postman and his family. You had some, uh, you know, a smattering of fishermen and the men of the United States Life-Saving Service. This is something very near and dear to my heart because I am from Eastern North Carolina, but also I have family that was part of this service. This service was the predecessor of the Coast Guard. It combined with the, the Lighthouse Association, the Revenue Cutter Service, and the Life-Saving Service, all combined in around 1915 to become the Coast Guard. These men were amazing. They were warriors surf warriors they call them they would go out into hurricane force winds with you know a, a surf boat sometimes they wouldn't be able to make that they'd have to pull out a beach cart that had a little cannon called a lyle gun that would shoot over the mast and they would go out into these conditions in the middle of the night to save to rescue these ships that had run aground and were, were breaking apart in a place that was known as the graveyard of the atlantic because there's over a thousand shipwrecks that have happened off the coast of north carolina for a variety of reasons that we don't need to get into today here is the point that I want to illustrate. These surfmen were not only strong, but they were the ones who stood by and helped the Wright brothers while they were doing all their tests, while they were, uh, you know, who do you think carried up the glider up Kill Devil Hill, as the Wright brothers said a thousand times, which is hard to believe, but it was over years. It was over three or four years. I think they first came in the year 1900, and the first flight was at the end of 1903. So the lifesavers were the only ones there. They would bring them wood. They used to raise a little flag at their workshop, the Wright brothers, a red flag or something as an indicator that they needed help. So they would bring them lumber. They would carry the glider up and down the hill. They were there. They were omnipresent to be there to support them. They didn't necessarily think that uh, the Wright brothers were sane individuals. They said, in fact, that uh, God didn't intend man to fly. If he did, he would have given him a set of wings on his shoulder. No, sirree. Nobody need not try to do what God didn't intend for him to do. So they didn't necessarily think that they could do it, but they supported them. They believed them. Why? Let's talk about that. They supported them because in any endeavor, you're going to have heroes, which is obviously the Wright brothers, heroes of modern-day aviation, but you're going to have the helpers. You're going to have the, the visionaries with the big, bold dreams, and then you have to have the integrators, the boots on the ground, the operational team to help achieve these big, bold visions. That was the role that the lifesavers were playing. So even though they thought that the Wright brothers were crazy, the lifesavers were like, well, and listen, these people above anybody else understood that if one person doesn't do their job, the whole system falls through. So they committed to it. They did their position. They helped these people, even though they didn't quite understand the mission because the Wright brothers painted the picture for them. They painted the picture for them to understand what they're trying to do and why it was important. There's a little story maybe an urban legend but you know don't let the details get in the way of a good story someone once said that which was probably also an urban legend that in 1961 john f kennedy was touring the nasa headquarters he had made this proclamation that he wanted to get a you know get a man on the moon by the end of the decade which fast forward we did um and he was touring nasa headquarters and the story goes that he met a man who was there after hours a janitor and he walked up and said hi i'm jack kennedy what do you do here and the man looked at him and he said, well, Mr. President, I'm helping, put, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. 
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. And whether or not that's accurate or true, the point remains that we need everybody to subscribe to that overall narrative. And it can be crippling to your company, to your mission, to your brand if you don't. I'll give you a more recent example. If you're familiar with the television show The Bear, season two was incredible. And and this is no spoiler, but if you are familiar, then one of the most popular fan favorite episodes was Forks, where Cousin Richie kind of has his, his, his arc you know, his triumphant moments, but he works in this really, really upscale three Michelin star restaurant. And for weeks they have him on forks, just cleaning the forks, cleaning the forks, cleaning the forks. And he gets really frustrated because they won't let him spread his wings as he thought. But the point was for them to illustrate is like, no, how we do anything is how we do everything down to cleaning the forks. These customers experience has to be top notch in every facet of the evening, everything. And it starts with something as lowly as the task as cleaning the forks, right? And that attention to detail was embedded in their whole company narrative. You need each person to subscribe to the narrative, and you as the leader have to articulate that. You have to convey that. You have to tell them, what are we building? What are we doing here? How do we plan to achieve it? How do we plan to build it? For whom are we building it? Who is our target audience? Who is our target customer? Who are we creating this thing for? And most importantly, why? Why are we building it? Okay? If you communicate with your helpers and your team through that story, then they see their role in their narrative, no matter how small it might be perceived. And they understand that their daily work applies to the success of that overall mission. And if you don't, if you neglect to communicate this, it leads to confusion. It leads to to, to, to lack of motivation, sometimes resentment, and eventually breakdown if you're not careful. So you have to bring them in to that story. This is what the Wright brothers did successfully. They brought the the lifesavers into that story to understand, we need you or we can't do this. And the lifesavers just... They followed their orders. That's what they knew how to do. 
Your brand narrative is the same thing. We have to understand where we're going. We have to understand the overall company narrative. What do we stand for? How do we communicate? What are we trying to achieve? What problem are we trying to solve? And then that is the system. Remember Jeffrey Halverson's uh, um, quote that I mentioned earlier. Uh, the narrative is a system of stories that taken all together paints a larger narrative with a beginning, middle, and end. So you can think about that. He studies Islamic studies, or just let's think of the Bible if we want to keep it there. The Bible has an overall narrative, and it's made up of all of these smaller stories that play to that overall narrative. So now let's let's pivot to part two, lesson two out of this story of the Wright brothers. The most important thing by far is to capture the moment, by far. And often we tend to psych ourselves out and think that we need this tool or this story structure or this routine or this best practice, or I'm not artistic enough, I don't have enough technical knowledge, etc., etc. Whatever these limiting beliefs are, it generally leads to overthinking or worse, inaction. We keep procrastinating, we don't do anything because we're waiting for the perfect moment. We're waiting to get the, the amount of tools to use. We're not sure what is the best hashtag strategy to use for the algorithm. None of it matters if you don't capture the moment. The moment is way more important than the mechanism. That's what storytelling is all about, is about capturing the moment. Uh, a few years ago, I think it was 2019, I had the, I'll say luxury, the privilege of interviewing legendary photographer Burke Uzzle. He's a North Carolina phot photographer, did a lot with uh, race relations and, and Southern photography. There, uh, For those watching the video, you can see there's a picture of your handsome host, Rain Bennett, um, interviewing the filmmaker of Burke Uzzle's documentary that was in Full Frame Film Festival, and it was called F11 and Be There. That was the name of the film. Now, if you aren't familiar with F-stops and photography or videography uh, jargon, if you will, I'll summarize that to just basically mean when you have the F-stop at 11, it doesn't. It basically allows everything in the frame to be in focus. If you want that blurry effect where the things in the foreground are in focus, it's better to... Um, have a lower f-stop um, so if you have a higher one like f11 it allows for little light to come in and everything that is lit by the sun he did a lot of outside photography is in full focus so the point is to just keep it at f11 don't be adjusting and trying to get the perfect picture and the perfect uh you know depth of field put that thing on f11 and just be there that is the point. Now I loved it so much. I connected with him so much about there about that, because if you're not there, if you're not capturing the moment, it will pass. My background is in documentaries, and you see it every day in documentaries. Is like, listen, you can worry about setting it up, but if the action's happening over there and you miss it, it's gone. But if you catch it and it's a little bit out of focus or not perfectly lit, we, the audience, can totally get down with it. The moment is more important than the mechanism, okay? So John T. Daniels, the lifesaver, who snapped that photo, who's now, this story is being told a little bit more and more, which I love, but most people, most people, if you ask, ask them off the street, off the street uh, have you heard of the United States Life Saving Service? The answer is, is almost 100% no. 
If you ask them if they've heard of the Coast Guard, it'd probably be 100% yes. These are the predecessors to the Coast Guard, which did this with no technology. And their, you know, their success rate for their rescues was extremely high in the 90%. It was insane. So John T. Daniels is starting to be talked about now. Uh, if you go to the Wright Brothers Memorial or, or Museum, rather, in Kitty Hawk, you'll see some, some, uh, some stuff on him. What I love about this is, again, he was just following his mission, and he had never seen a camera before. It's one of the old box cameras had a rubber sh shutter button, and, the, and the, uh, the Wright brothers told him, again, this is a side note, but again, uh, telling them the narrative of what they're trying to do, they directed them. They said, hey, and don't look scared when you see us flying, because it was a scary moment. Look joyous, laugh, clap, like we want the moment to look like that. It was perfect. And when they did take off, and it wasn't from the big hill using, you know, using physics and, and the height of the hill, but it was from, a, you know, a flat land where they had a little track and the, they would launch with the, with the uh, engine for the first time. When the Lifesavers saw that, finally, they were in awe. And John T. Daniels almost missed his opportunity to take that shot. And it dawned on me. He was like, oh, my God. And I ran back and he just hit that button. He didn't try to focus. Of course, he didn't know how to. He didn't try to wait for the right moment. He captured the moment. And what we have now is one of the most popular, most famous pictures in human history, hands down. And it was taken by, I just want you to remember this always, it was taken by a man who had never seen a camera before. Now, if you'd have had a professional photographer there, potentially, not one like Burke Uzzle, shout out, do. <laughs> it's actually more of if you had a semi-professional photographer there, they would be so concerned with, you know, is the f-stop right? Is the depth of field right? Is the lighting perfect? Is the framing and composition perfect? And sometimes you'll miss it. Now, if they're good, they'll probably get all those things right and capture the moment if they're really good. But herein lies the issue. Most of us that are creating content out there aren't professional photographers first or professional filmmakers or professional writers or professional artist. We have a business. We have a mission that we're trying to achieve, and we're trying to use storytelling in order to do that. We can't expect to be a top-tier filmmaker. We can't expect to be a top-tier writer or photographer. But here's the good news. We don't need to be. You just need to be able to capture the moment. And if you are a leader, you just need to be able to understand what is the narrative, where are we going, and understand how to communicate. The thing is, the most successful, the most effective, rather, content creation tools are all free. They're all here, right? They're all here. You have to learn how to communicate to people first. Stories are the way to do that. Then you use your brain to learn the skills even more and add tools to the toolbox. But if you just go grab a handful of tools and go out there, you'll miss the moment. So, two sets of stories that we need to focus on. The overall narrative, right? What you stand for, who you're serving, why you're building what you're building, and then all the little stories that make up that overall system. That's what you need to focus on. The Storytelling Lab is back. I'm excited, really excited for this season. We have some amazing guests, and I got to give a shout-out and propers where they are due. Many of them have come from the recent LinkedIn connections that I have made. 
I have uh, made a commitment to embrace that community, and it has embraced me back. And I have met so many amazing storytellers from that community, and I can't wait to bring them to you. So have a great day. Go out there and tell your stories, understanding how, why, and to whom you are telling those stories. And also when and where. All right, see you next week. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow, and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a story coaching and consulting company that builds online education, in-person and virtual training, and digital products that help businesses master storytelling to find their ideal customers and market to them effectively. You can learn more at sixsecondstories.com and purchase the book Six Second Stories at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, or rainbennett.com slash sixsecondstories.